the Open Hearthcast, Episode 1, Part 2. Just you know, when you think you figured out flat grinding, yeah, go visit someone like Jack Conan. Oh, yeah. Trenton, oh, yeah. Trenton shared a video of Jack grinding the other day, uh, this week, actually. Mm. And, uh, it was on Tuesday. It was on Tuesday, yeah. He, he sent me the video of Jack, or it was on Facebook, and I chatted to him, and I said to him, that makes so much sense. So what Jack does is, his plats and he actually tilts so that he doesn't have to lean over his blade when he is um, uh, grinding yeah. to see down the edge. Yeah. He tilts his platen towards him so yes. that he can stand normally. And he yeah. said, when I spoke to him about it, he says, he's never mentioned it because it it, it never crossed his mind. But he actually sat, he, he found that some days when he was grinding, because he, he only uses the one bolt for his platen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He says you don't need another vault. Yeah. Because, you know, angles are not important. Yeah. But, well, not angles, but he found that when he had angled the platen towards him, he didn't have as much strain on his back. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. When, I, when I saw the video, like the light bulbs went on, yeah. like bright halogen headlights. Yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's something different that I never thought about. Right. Yeah. So, and so this is the thing. I mean, there's so many things. That, and I mean, you were saying this earlier as well, is that when you go and learn from different makers, yes, there's some things that you won't like. There's mm. some processes of theirs that you won't like, but there's some processes that you will just be fucking blown away. Yeah, and absolutely. You'll, and you'll be like, that makes so much sense. Mm. It's like- It's so much easier. Like so, he, he, sorry, just one, mm. one more thing I wanted to mention just on the mm. grinding aspect. And this is why I was I was asking Garth Fletcher about mm. the the twenty five millimeter mm. um, uh, platen. Mm. Jack, I've been watching Jack grind for a long time, right? Mm. Yeah, that's what Epis do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, only recently have I actually started working on his belt grinder mm. because everything I've been doing the hard way first. Yeah, yeah that's right? the way to that, do it. That's that's the way it's Files done. Files before, yeah. Files yeah. before the grinder, mm. flipping hacksaw before the bandsaw. Yeah, you know all those things. Um, so he and 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 once again, this is why I was speaking to Garth Fletcher about the twenty-five millimeter um, platen. Is pow, what, what's it? Uh, surface area versus. Yeah, pounds per square inch. Pounds per square inch. Pa- per square inch. That, yeah. That's the fucking thing I was looking for. Pounds mm. per square inch. So if you're grinding on a 50 millimeter mm. um, belt, belt, now your surface area is so much more, so you can't hog as much material. Mm. And and like it's like it makes sense, but mm. you don't think about these things until you're exposed to yeah. somebody who understands it. And then yeah. you're like, ah, oh, okay. That look, makes sense. Look, if you're doing flat grinding, the 25 mil belt is uh, belt is a little bit more. It's a little bit so, more tricky to get used to, yes. but your metal removal because you've got a smaller surface area is yes. much better. Yes, I and, hear. I hear what you're saying on that. But the other thing, mm. with a 50 mil belt, um, or two inch belt for our American viewers, if we have any. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you're grinding on a 50 wide platen, mm. any wobble you have forward and backwards mm. is going to give you an inconsistent mm. bevel top. Mm. 
which is easier to master on a 25mm belt, funny enough, but uh, to get rid of that, like, cutting on the one side or yeah, the other I, side. I call them ripples. Ripples, yeah. <laughs> so it's easier to get that right on a 25 because you're not got a big area. Yes. So one degree, you get double the area on a 50 wide belt. Yes. So that is easier. But to get that line straight, the whole length of the blade on a 25 yes. is a little bit more tricky. But now, if you're hogging material... Mm. You hog it on the twenty on a twenty five wide, yeah. And when you go to say your one twenty and you start going to your finishing, then you yes. go to a wider one because then you want to mm. get more smooth. Make sure you even all the way down the edge. And and I mean, look, look, Jack is so good at grinding; like it doesn't make a fucking difference to him, mm. right? So so he can do it on a fifty millimeter platen mm. and a twenty five millimeter platen, mm. but. I mean, he does switch between the platens, obviously. Mm. But for me, like he was saying, learn how to do it on the 25 millimeter platen. Yeah. It will become easier mm. to grind mm. on a 50 watt. Yeah. So, so, I mean, because now you're learning the control. Yeah. Because you've got much less surface area. Mm. And um, so your, your thumb placement is... Like, I didn't know this. I didn't yeah. know this. I thought that you held your blade fucking hard mm. and you fucking just ground through that. Mm. And he said, no, you don't hold that blade tight at all. Mm. You must have wiggle in it. Mm. Your 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 control comes Easy from move. your thumbs. Yeah. Didn't know that. And didn't know that. I was blown away. And one of the things you'll learn when it comes to sharp belts and blunt belts is your thumbs pay the price. Yeah. Dude, look at the... Uh, you can't see them now. Can you see that blister? It's yeah. two layers deep. Mm. It's freaking... I, I burned myself so many times. But that's part of the reason why I wet grind. Yeah. Because the steel... Like, mm. this is... I mean, everybody's got their preferences. Yeah. But because I'm learning with Jack and I had the problem of burning belts... Uh, burning mm. blades. Yeah. Excuse me. Burning blades. Um, I was getting very frustrated. Mm. Because I wasn't dunking it and cooling it off yeah. fast enough and quick and and regularly enough, yeah. and uh, you're burning your fucking fingers. You are messing up blades, and it's very frustrating. Yes. So I'd rather deal with the mess of water, mm. but it actually also minimizes on dust to a degree. It does, yes, definitely. And it also seems to unclog your belts, and your belts last longer. Yeah. I've never thought of it that way. But the more we speak about it, the more I want to put a bucket of water on my belt. <laughs> <laughs> just put your hose pipe on the grinder and just be like, yeah, I'm yeah. watering the fucking plants. <laughs> uh, yeah, but with my blacksmith electrician work, it might be a bit fucking dodgy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you got it. It might look like I'm doing fucking techno dancing behind the grinder sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're that's... not shocking yourself in the open <laughs> But... Uh, and this is this goes back to the whole thing about uh, maintenance on your grinder. Is if you're going to be doing wet grinding, it <laughs> creates a paste. Mm. Like we were talking to Garth mm. Fletcher about today, it's it's hardened steel powder mm. and aluminium oxide or ceramic. Yeah, if so, you're using ceramic belts, it's mm. like that gets into the bearings, and it mm. like I wouldn't, I don't know if it 
quite halves the life of your bearings, but it, it reduces, it reduces a them a lot more if you dry grinding. As opposed to wet grinding. As opposed to dry grinding. Yeah, you're wet yeah. grinding, you're, you're bearing, but then Garth, Garth also said a very thing that uh, important thing that you know I should know as an engineer, but you forget it sometimes is that bearings are consumable. Mm. People don't seem to realize it. Yeah. I, I use my things until it starts throwing spare parts out. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm just I'm stubborn. Okay. And I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's like with your car. Yeah. I mean, you have to service. You it. have to service it. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. it's just going to fuck out. Yeah, you got to change the oil because yeah. oil is important for lubrication. Yeah, and bearings wear out, so your wheel bearings you have to change. Yeah, your brake pads you have to change because they wear out. So belts you have to change because <coughs> they wear out. Yeah, um, <coughs> and if you're not maintaining your machine, you're not going to get the be the best out of your machine. Which which was my problem. Yeah, and I was getting I was getting hella frustrated. I mean, you heard that machine today. Mm. It sounded like. It's, well, it sounded about, like a tin full of bolts. Well, we being talk shaken. about that. Um, my uh, monstrosity of a belt grinder is. Uh, I'm going to call that thing Frankenstein, dude. Yeah, no, it can't be called Frankie because uh, Alex Norton from the Forgecast, his machine's oh, called Frankie. Uh, oh, really? Okay, because yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a self built. But my one um, is a fabric cobble of different things. I've got a two horse old Brooks English. Electric motor. Yeah. It's got a pulley on it. My drive wheel is the finest American ash money can buy. Mm. Wood. Because that's what I had. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I turned it, I, I mounted it on the shaft and I turned it with a chisel to the shape I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. My, I finally upgraded because my, my setup is, my platen is fixed um, and I have a large contact wheel at the top and a small one at the bottom. Mm. for reasons uh, unbeknownst to me. No, because it makes sense to me. It's because the big wheel at the top I can use to hog off material. The platen I use for the uh, and finishing your profile and, and grinding the bevels, obviously. And then the small, the 50mm the wheel at the bottom, I use for like working on handle, handle shape. Yeah. Um, but now I finally upgraded from my lawnmower wheels <laughs> and I got myself a, a he's such contact. a bush hippie <laughs> I'm a bush hippie yeah. <laughs> hey if it works it ain't stupid <laughs> it works it ain't stupid <laughs> but it worked for a long time yeah those bearings on I've still got my idler wheel for my tensioner is still a lawnmower wheel yeah but when I have money I will I will upgrade that to a proper wheel with proper bearings because those things they they on the verge of throwing spare parts yeah, out. Yeah. But they haven't yet, so it still yeah, works. Still. But now, because I've upgraded my contact wheel, I have a spare idler wheel. There we go. There we and go. And the thing is, I know bearing supply, so if it does throw <clears throat> spare parts out, I'll just go get new bearings. There we go. There we go. Um, but it makes grinding a little bit more difficult. Yes. Because it's a bush mechanic machine. Yeah. Which is why when, uh, when the gods bless me with millions of dollars, in hard or cold cash, <laughs> uh, I will be my next my next grinder. I will not be building myself. Yeah, because uh, I do blacksmithing, so I make tongs, hammers, and I make knives. Yeah. So my focus needs to be on making tongs, hammers, and knives, or knives, tongs, then hammers. That's yes. the order of preference. Yeah. I don't have the time to make a grinder. Yeah. 
and I don't have the time to put the development into making a grinder. And and this is the thing we were talking to this yeah. we were talking to Garth about this today is that <clears throat> we are knife makers. Mm. We are not machine builders. We are yeah. we are not belt grinder makers. We yeah. use belt grinders. Yeah, doesn't mean we know how to fucking make them. Yeah, but it, it's it, and and it's the time. It's the time. It's the time. Time is money. And yeah. My next machine will be a Pro VFD 1.5 because I'm not a I'm not a fold over person. A yeah. switchback. Um, I'm a I'm a straight up grinder. I bend my body. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that time. It's it's you know. Sometimes you have to ask the question. This this is a statement I got from a guy who's also. Uh, I think his name's Trenton Tyre. He's a he's a blacksmith and knife maker in the states. He's oh, got wow. a YouTube channel, but okay. he said if you've got a sliding door, right? It's like asking questions. Can you build a grinder? You probably can, right? Mm. But that's not the right question. Is the right question is should you build a belt grinder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's the same analogy as a sliding door. Yeah, because being guys, we've always wondered. Can I slam my dick in the sliding door? The question is probably yes, but the question you should be asking is, should I slam my dick in the sliding door? <laughs> <laughs> the answer to that is no. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 such a I don't know, it's such an interesting journey because the more you learn and the more you learn, the more you want to improve your craft. Yes. And at the same time, you the more you learn, the more expensive your tools get. Yeah, they not do. not necessarily though, but because I mean, a good craftsman can get by with with hand tools. Hand tools, mm. but at the same time, you want to save your time. Yeah. So you want, I don't know. A hanging motor, for example, that's one yeah. of my things that I, I, I want, want to get. Hanging, I want I, a hanging motor. I, I want a hanging motor so bad. You've got at least got a, 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 a an optimizer and a Dremel and things like yeah. that. So I want all that stuff. Mm. But you know, I was talking to you, and I was speaking to you about this mm. uh, earlier. Um, I was talking to Jack <clears throat> the other day, and I said to him, "Right, seeing as I have." a lot of tools that guys starting out in the knife making business mm. don't generally have. Like I'm, I feel relatively privileged in mm. that regard, but I would say, I, I said to him, what is the next investment? Would mm. you say? And he just very simply put time, time, time mm. doing the shit that you already know how to do and perfecting it mm. and, and getting to understand how to do it better. That's the, what Jack says is, is what Niels has said as well. Is because mm. he said he wanted to learn how to grind, mm. so he would spend two hours a night just grinding one aspect. So say he was working on plunge lines. Okay. He would spend two because he says you you can't just spend like half an hour. You you've got to actually get into it mm. and do it. He would spend two hours a night just grinding, just doing the plunge lines. Say yeah. And the same when it came to his forgings. He spent two hours a day just forging tips, yeah. just forging bevels, yeah. just forging tangs yeah. to learn how to master that aspect. Yes. Where now Niels can do a six-heat knife, actually less than six heats. He can forge a hunter in like six heats. What? From, 
Yeah. Have you not seen that video? It's on YouTube. Six heats. Six heats. Yes, that is efficient. That is efficient because he spent, the, he, he put the investment in time in yeah. learning each aspect and putting it together. Mm. So the standard knife he does on his on his entry-level bladesmithing course, he can forge it in six heats if he wants to. Jesus. Because he knows, he's, he's refined each technique. Yeah. So forging the tip, he knows yeah. exactly how to do it yeah. the quickest way yeah. or the for that purpose. Yeah. So there's different ways of forging a tip, but yeah. for that purpose, he's mastered it. Yeah. Forging the bevels, he's mastered it because he put the investment of time into that process. Yes. Yeah. And 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 this is the thing. There there are so many aspects within knife making mm. that you have to spend thousands of mm. hours mm. to become extremely efficient yeah. at doing that. Mm. I mean, let let's take filing for example, filing techniques. Or mm. uh, filing not filing techniques. I don't know if that's even the right fucking term. But like um filing in rope patterns or vine patterns on your like, spine like yeah. you've done there yeah right now that's freaking good yeah that is freaking amazing jack does it in flipping it doesn't take minutes that, dude it doesn't take that long to do it yeah you just got to mark it out properly yeah know, know your process of how you want to move that file yes to get the shape you want yes that's the only pattern I do. Yes. Because that's the one I know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the vine pattern. And and, mm. and and this is the thing that amazes me with Jack is that, okay, and, I, and I'm not saying this is the right way to do it. It's mm. just, it just speaks to the craftsmanship and mm. the amount of work that Jack's done. Mm. And I'm just talking about filing. Mm. Um, is that he doesn't even have to freaking mark it out, dude. Mm. He's calibrated he like, his eye. He, he, the eye is a precision tool mm. when it, when you know what you're doing. Yeah, when you've trained it. When you, when you've trained it. Mm. So, like, there are so many things that I, that I look at, and and Jack's like, he like tries to measure center just with his eye sometimes, and he's like, okay, let's check, and then he'll like measure it afterwards, and he's like. Not too fucking bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, jeepers, creepers, dude. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, Jack is the most frustrating guy to watch eat food. <laughs> like, it, like, it, it, his craftsmanship translates even into him eating. <laughs> dude, this guy, he takes like a block of cheese. He's probably watching and he's going to be like, you fucker, I'm going to make you work on Tuesday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But like he's, this is his basic lunch, mm. right? Mm. He has pieces of white bread with butter on, mm. and then he has some cheese, like a big block of cheese there, and then he has a bottle of jam, and then he takes his long fucking teaspoon and he puts the jam onto his fucking plate. Then he cuts very methodically all these little tiny pieces of cheese, and then he like takes a little little scooping of jam and puts it onto the side of his mm. bread, taps the, the, the cheese with the point of his knife and puts it on there and then he eats that. And the, and he carries on like that and it's like the most annoying <laughs> thing to watch somebody eat like that because yeah. my mom eats like that as well. Like, <laughs> and she, like, she, she eats toast 
Like she eats one corner, eats the other corner, and eats the fucking middle as well. I'm like, just fucking fold it in half and put it in your mouth. Don't <laughs> fuck around with it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway. Yeah. But but mm. it's just that's the kind of guy he is. Mm. And but you know what you know what I think as well? Yeah. Is when he eats like that, he finds more satisfaction mm. in doing it that way. Mm. So there's a technique called mindfulness. Yeah. So he's mindfully eating, which is a mind fuck actually. Yeah. When you start thinking we did it once in hospital as this mindfulness exercise and it is it's actually quite we, if you are mindful about what you do, you have so much more appreciation for it. If you just take the sandwich and you stuff it down your mouth, you don't have the time to appreciate the different tastes, the textures, the Yeah. So it's it's yeah, I, I I didn't think of it that way, mm. to be honest. I mean, look, I I, I don't eat like an animal, but mm. like I'm a very slow eater. Right? I'm a pretty fast eater because I I was, you know, I went to university, so I stayed in res. Yeah, and it's like drinking specials are from <laughs> six to seven, <laughs> so you finish your lectures and and shit in the afternoon, and uh, you go down, chaho, shovel it in because yeah. you know what. Yeah. I can get two beers for the price of one. Price of one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of which, yeah. let's open another one. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Cheers, squares. Ross the horse. Cheers, cheers. Cheers, cheers. Ross, jong That one might cut out soon because we're on an hour and eight minutes. Yeah, so it might cut out sometime soon. I hope, I hope it doesn't, but if it does, it'll be fine. Yeah, because we have everything recorded. Yeah, everything is recorded. So let's talk a little bit about your blade of your project, your current project that you're working on at the moment. So I've got a Damascus Hunter. Okay. Um, Now tell us a little bit of the story about where you sourced your materials, how you came up with the design. Okay, so the the client. is actually a friend of a guy I went to school with. Mm-hmm. Now, a while back, I did. I made him a knife, <laughs> yeah. and then his wife wanted a Viking-style axe. Okay. So I decided, oh, obviously it's money, so I, I went to make an axe, and then it's like, wait, this is a Viking-style axe. So I mm. thought, I want to learn how to chisel engrave. So this is a good experiment. So I chisel engraved a Viking pattern on the thing, she was absolutely blown out. And anyway, his friend wanted a custom knife. So he yeah. said, well, I know this guy from school. He makes nice knives. Yeah. So he wanted a Damascus knife. Yeah. So he sent me a few pictures and I do up a drawing. It's actually this one over here. Oh, yes. If you're on the live stream. And uh, anyway, the Damascus I got is uh, Peter Huerson Damascus. He's a guild member. Mm. But this is what he calls the V-ladder or Chevron pattern. Let's have a look at that. Um, but what I did with it, because he supplies it in, in a billet form, so it's whatever size it is. Um, and what I decided to do, because I want that pattern to, to go, this is what I learned from watching Carl Roy on YouTube. Yes. Um, I wanted the pattern, I don't want to just cut the blank out, mm-hmm. because then the pattern is disrupted. Right. So I forged the tip of the knife so that I can get the pattern converging to the tip of the knife yes i see that okay i see yeah. that yeah 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 so then i forged most of roughly forged it then i profiled it because you don't 
it's not my Damascus. It's it's Peter Christen's Damascus. Yes. And I don't want to forge it too much that I uh, disrupt a, the pattern. I pull a, a Tim Brown and fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> I have a whole pile of scrap Damascus. Don't talk I'm, smack about Tim Brown. He's such a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there was some thought that went into it. Yes. And then I've got in the oven. I haven't taken it out yet. It's yeah. tempered because I've took the same piece of Damascus mm. for the bolsters. And then um, a hippie guy I know, uh, he had some camel horse bone. And I, this guy wanted uh, giraffe bone on the handle. So uh, I sourced from a local vegan supplier some uh, some giraffe bone from Trenton, <laughs> which he got from Master Jack. So, yeah, so this one's been hardened. It's been finished ground. I've got to now do the most uh, fascinating process of knife making called hand sanding. Oh, yeah, it's a fascinating process. It takes a lot of brain power as well. Yeah, and then I'm going to uh, attach the bolsters. The bolsters have been hardened because it's Damascus, but I tempered it at a higher temperature so it's not as hard as the blade. Okay. And the reason for that is I'm riveting it on. And the last thing I want to do Mm. is to rivet it on yeah. And crack the Damascus because riveting oh, actually puts right. a lot of stress because it's hoop stress. Yes, yes. And okay. if you rivet on wood, you'll know how to crack wood yes. scales. Yes. It's one yes. tap too many. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Just, just when you think, oh, well, just what, give that one yeah, for one, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when it goes. It's so like when, when you tighten goes. the bolt, you tighten it to the strips and you go quarter turn back. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is that is that is always the thing. It's like you you think just one more done. Yeah, that's finished. It. But yeah, so that's the life I'm working. I've got a couple of other ones on the go as well. I'm actually shit house busy. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's my one that I've got at the moment on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Trenton, yes, tell us a little bit more about your your kitchen razor. I mean kitchen because <laughs> it is. <laughs> Man, that thing is fucking thin, bro. It, look, it's not as thin as those hunters that I ground the other day. It's not as thin I, as that, but which you know I'm what? Very grateful for. You know what? What inspires me about that blade? Yeah, is that you have the confidence to oh, oh, confidence or stupidity? I don't know which one of these. <laughs> you you can from learning from Jack. You have the ability to grind a thin blade. I'm sometimes I'm too scared to to go that thin. Yeah, I look. Mean, let me let me let me be honest here. I I I never want to take credit where no. it's not due. Um, I did do a lot of grinding work on this blade, yeah. but Jack cleaned it up a lot. Okay. Yeah. So so yes, I did do a lot of grinding on this on this on this blade, and and Jack was helping me in terms of showing me how to grind, how to control my grind, and mm. then I said to him, "Look, dude." I'm battling to clean these these plungers up. I'm battling mm. to get the grind absolutely flat because it was yeah. mostly flat, yeah. but you could still see facets in the light. You could still see your ripples. Yeah. yeah. And and so he he grinded up to a 400 grit and, and just and just cleaned it up for me. Mm. So I I don't want to take credit for like finishing the entire knife. One day I'll get there where I can mm. do the entire knife by myself. But yeah. um but yeah, so so this blade, um, I got commissioned by a, a good friend of mine, Megan. Uh, 
she said to me, hey, listen, you know, um, I, I want a kitchen knife. And mm. so I said, look, do you have a design in mind? She said, no, look, can you draw me a couple of designs and we'll go from there. And I probably drew about, I don't know, like six or six or eight designs. Yeah. Until I actually came up with the, the couple that I thought were acceptable. Yes. And I showed those to her. Mm. And she liked the exact same one that I liked. Mm. But if you if you work with some clients, yeah, some clients are easier than others. Mm. But you know, if you put the effort in, some of us are not like Stuart and and Niels, um, where we design for customers. They make what they want to make, yeah, and, and the people buy it because yeah. they want a Stuart Smith or a Niels or a Kevin Harvey. They want that knife, yeah, yeah. But when you're doing commissions, it's slightly different. So you have to work with the client. And some clients, you know, you, 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 you work up this type of relationship where you almost, you know what they want and what's pleasing to your eyes also pleasing to their eye. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And she, she had a background in kendo. I think it is the, mm. the isn't that isn't that the Japanese sort of it's it's a fencing sort of it's a it's it's a form of training for uh, using swords, but yeah. they they use a kendo stick, so it's yeah. similar to a, a, a katana. Yeah, it's got, but it's a wooden it's a wooden stick. Basically. It's a wooden stick, but you don't want to get hit by it. No, 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 not at all. But it's it's a form of martial art. It's a, it's a sword martial art. Yeah. Yeah, so she had had some experience and and done some kendo and stuff like that in the past. And based on that, I said to her, look, what about a hamon? And she said, well, what is a hamon? Then I was like... You don't speak hamon like native language. You don't speak it in English. (laughs) (laughs) So I said to her, look, it's it's basically what the the Japanese swordsmiths used on on the blades to... It's not just the sword... The majority of the knife makers use hamon. Say that again. The majority of the knife from swords to kitchen knives. Yeah, they use hamon. Yeah, the, but primarily the Japanese. It's the Japanese. Yeah, the the yeah. Japanese. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but I mean, just just talking from the kendo background, it, mm. it relates to the the katanas and the wakazakis yeah, and the, all of that. It's, it's the 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 Eastern influence. Yeah. Yeah. Which is. That's a that's a dark part. It's an interesting, but it's yeah. a wide part. You've yeah. got to have, you need to be, you need to be a two thousand year old uh, master bladesmith mm. to, to understand all the facets of it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very complex. I mean, when you watch the Japanese swordsmiths mm. work, it's it's incredible. Mm. It's incredible to see. But like, just a, a, a side note on on like the swordsmiths to make a. a a Japanese katana or wakazashi or something. Yeah. There are different craftsmen that work on the blade. So you have the swordsmith who will forge the blade, harden the blade, pre-grind the blade. Mm. That's the end of his job. Yes. Yes. Then it right. goes to the polisher. Yes. Then it goes to the hand the, the guy makes the tuba and the and the brass pieces and right. the handle maker. And then there's a specific guy who <laughs> makes the sheath. For it yes or the, or the scabbard scabbard yeah and there's a whole process in it yeah but so it's not like one guy does the entire piece yeah it's it's mm. he i mean you get the i don't i don't know if it's always been like this so 
don't quote me like guys who are listening don't yeah, quote we me don't on know this what we, fuck we're talking about so. <laughs> we we have a we i think tim has a much better understanding of of things than i do but um from what i saw on the documentary i haven't read up a yeah. shit ton on it so mm. um but from what i saw in the documentary at least in modern times yeah. what the japanese swordsmiths are doing is that they get the uh tamahagane steel yeah. from the the guy who makes it yeah there's a specialist who makes yes. the, the the tamahagane yeah and then the 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 swordsmith cherry picks the the pieces of tamahagane that he gets from the yeah the guy who fucking makes it right um and then he he does the whole process like forge welds those pieces mm. together and it's and such folds a it. yeah and folds it to distribute the carbon and all of that in in the blade and, it's and to also get to Im- impurities. remove impurities yeah. and refine the steel mm. um but they've each got the, the, each master smith has got the sort of their own little interpretation of getting the best out of the tomahogany okay um and the reason they cherry pick is because it's an inconsistent steel yes so they cherry pick to de- to determine which is high carbon which is medium carbon which is low carbon and they use it on different parts depending on the type of construction for the sword okay so different areas had different ways of constructing the blade where it was a hard piece just straight down the middle with medium carbon on the outside or low carbon on the outside or they used to do uh hard carbon on the edge low carbon in the middle medium carbon on the sides hard carbon it's 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 a whole science on its own yeah um but each guy was a master of what he did so the Mm. swordsmith was a master of refining the steel and making the blade the polisher is a master of bringing out the beauty in the blade so getting to see the hamon and the the layers from the folding and and the the pattern welded Damascus steel mm. because they fold it and, and refine it you get a slight you can see layers in the steel yeah although they're not using two different steels yes. but because it's inconsistent steel and they're mixing right different time right. it looks like it's what we call Damascus yes okay okay um so the polish is a master of bringing out their beauty and bringing out the mon because it to master something you've got to put the time in yeah 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 so you can't be a master bladesmith a master polisher a master handle maker yeah. master scabbard no, maker master exactly. blue maker it's just not possible and i mean it goes back to there's, there's there's knife makers who make exceptional knives but they send the engraving to somebody else to yeah. to to get it done because that guy is fucking good at engraving mm. right mm. so and there's no shame in that is there ain't nothing wrong with that no. so um it's like Stuart posted the other day it's uh, one of his hunt uh, a hunt he's made mm. um it's got a bronze guard on it yeah but he's sending it to Tian Burger to have it engraved and yes. embellished yes because why because he's probably one of the best that is available to do the work exactly or do the work in the style that Stuart wants and I mean and it and it goes back to also sheaths I mean mm. like I've done sheets. I've done f- some very nice sheets as well. But to be honest, I could not be bothered at this point to take the time to make a sheath. I don't I, I've made my own sheaths. I don't do it anymore. Yeah. 
because for a simple reason, I don't have the time, mm. and it's not. <clears throat> I'm forty-four, going on forty-five. I have limited time on this earth, mm. and I want to make knives. Yeah, I want to make. I want to make tongs. I want to make hammers. Um, yeah. And in my setup, I don't have a clean space to do leatherwork, yes. and you need a fucking clean you space. Do. You do, you do. So uh, I use a guy called Sean Nuns. Yes, that's that's who that's who I use as well. And and he does brilliant leatherwork, and it's it's something he enjoys doing. And mm. why would I want to do something I don't enjoy doing? And and this is the thing as well mm. is that you're supporting somebody else mm. who can do it better than you can. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's not even that, mm. but you're supporting somebody else and, and you're giving them the work because you don't have time to do it yourself. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, because so, it, at the end of the day, um, you want to give your client, it's it's still streaming, so yeah, uh, you want to give your client what they want at a price that's affordable and in a timeline that's acceptable. Yes. And... To me, uh, I have time to make knives. Yes. I don't have time to do leather work. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a family. Okay, the kids are growing up. But, yeah. I mean, I still have a wife. I think she hasn't divorced me yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, getting back to, to this kitchen knife, um, it, it's pretty much the exact same design as the previous kitchen knife. I dropped mm. the angle on this ever so slightly more yeah. just to make it a little bit more aggressive mm. of a of a of an angle. Yeah. Um and we heat treated them both at the same time and it's just been hanging around in the workshop looking at me in the face saying, When are you gonna grind me? And Trenton's going, I'm too shit scared to grind you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So um it's now coming time to to well it's time to hand sand now. Yeah. Um, which is always an enjoyable job. Maybe mm. I should smoke a joint while doing that. Yeah, I it's always it's always a good idea. <laughs> like if anybody who's yeah. watching this smokes weed and makes knives, like it's a good plan. Yeah, like smoke weed and then mm. hand sand. Put some mm. good music on, hand sand, and smoke weed. Like it sounds like a bad idea, but it's it. Just don't no. grind when you when you blaze. Yeah, no no power tools. Please. No no power tools. Yeah, but um, yeah, you can really zone out and just mm. get into. I don't know. It's like a mindset that you have to get into because it's it's monotonous. You do have to have a little bit of concentration, mm. but um, I mean, Jack showed me his technique of hand sanding. It hammers the hands. Okay, but uh, I still want to. I still need to go to Jack to learn how to finish knives. Dude, that guy. Mm. My word, like, I finished a handle on that last kitchen knife, right? And I was I was happy with it. I was yeah. like, cool. This, this 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 will work, mm. you know? And I showed it to Jack and he's like, but there's no beauty in the wood. You can't see the grain properly. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, oh. Uh, what's that? <laughs> okay. So he's like, dude, what, what grit did you finish on? And I was like, oh, like 400 grit. Hmm. He's like, no, 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 dude. He's hmm. like, so now we're going 600. Mm. We're going 800, mm. then we're going 1,000, and then we're going 2,000. Yeah. Serious? Serious. Ish. Dude, I hand sanded that thing, but when I hand sanded it and he buffed it, my dude. Did the handle pop? 
that handle was alive mm. dude when i gave it to the to the client um mm. she was she was blown away by by the handle alone she was blown yeah. away and i didn't i done a, a copper pin on the top with the mm. chikati okay and then the tamburti i had done a regular stainless steel pin okay and then the chikati at the bottom i did another copper pin okay and she just fucking loved that yeah it was just a little bit of contrast and activity mm. in the handle mm. and i mean yeah it it just worked mm. so i'm very excited for this kitchen knife i want to actually put some white liners okay yeah um for the for the purple heart uh I'm, before you before you put white liners yeah okay. uh, try yellow the reason i say that is i've tried a few different color liners yeah and yellow for me just pops okay yellow just works and you'll have to get this opinion from my wife first because i know fuck all about handles when it comes to selecting wood for handle trenta knows I take some a selection of wood and I take the knife when it's in it's almost finished that and I say to my wife which wood do I use because she makes the right decision yeah and I don't I'll say what about this one this is a pretty piece it doesn't match the knife yeah it's like yeah but it's a pretty piece of wood it doesn't match the knife then I do what she says sometimes I don't and then I go back and I do what she says just to be difficult <laughs> yeah and I mean that, that's that's something also we were like mm. I hate to keep mentioning Garth all the time but we mm. were talking about this today at Garth's place uh, about that heartbeats uh, yeah, Damascus knife of it yeah like that what's that Giotto yeah, yeah that's the yeah mm. the the chef's knife and it had that um, heartbeat, heartbeat pattern heartbeat pattern um, and there was a piece of is it called Mali or what what's the correct pronunciation. It's, or something. it's Australian yeah, bill yeah. yeah so and and the the blade had like for those of you who who haven't seen it like <laughs> so it had a wavy sort of heartbeat type pattern on yeah there. heartbeat type pattern mm. and uh goth was who was he talking he to was, he was at kevin's place kevin he was Harvey, busy yeah. programming his vfds yes yes and Kevin Harvey came to him with this piece of Mali. And it had... No, no. Kevin came to him and he said, what handle are you going to put on there? And he said... Oh, right, right, right. And right, he said, please. no, I think I'll put a piece of Zebrano on because like the lines match the line of the spine. And Kevin said, no, 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 no. Yeah. He said, I've got just a piece of wood for you. Give me some time to find it. Yeah. And he scratched around and he scratched around and he came out with this Mali or this... We, we, we're going to call it Mali, whatever it is is the correct name but we we're calling it mali but he came out with this piece of bill which is probably worth over a thousand rand say a hundred dollars and he's like yeah that's that is the right knife uh, the right wood for that handle because the pattern in the bill yeah. also has a heartbeat in it yes so it matches it flows into the yeah into the blade and it's not going to be a contrast it's going to take away you're going to have two focal points it's yes. like continuation of the focal point and 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 that was such an interesting discussion to have today because it's not something that i've actually thought about yeah i don't I, think about that i'll leave it to my wife yeah i mean it's it's just like 
you know, because mm. with bills, you you've you've got beautiful activity in the bills. Sometimes, yeah. a, a lot of the time, you get some beautiful, <clears throat> exceptional bills, mm. and but it doesn't mean just because it's beautiful that it suits the blade that you're putting it on. Yeah. It's, You've got to make sure that it it complements the blade. Yeah, it's got to add to it, not yeah, distract from not it. Not distract from it. That's it. That's yeah. it. And that so that's that's and this is why it's so important to go and talk to other makers. Yes. To go and listen. Take the fucking ego out of it mm. and just listen mm. and learn. Because if you listen, yeah. you fucking might learn something. You might learn something. Yeah. yeah. It's like knowing Trenton Trenton attempted to make a bow. Yeah. And I was watching him and it's like I've always also wanted to make a bow, but I just haven't got around to it. And it's like he was busy as using Maranti and I said to him, You know what? I know a guy who's a bayer, uh, Jonathan. Mm. And he's like, I'll send you his number, he'll be more than happy to speak to you. And since knowing Jonathan, I've learned so much more about wood because it's his medium of choice for yes. for making bows and stuff. Yes. So if I need to know something about wood, and he will tell you this wood is poisonous, that wood is this, this wood is hard. He'll tell you the different uses of wood. It's like I don't have the time to Google that shit. Yeah. It's like phone Jonathan. Mm. What what do I do with this wood? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, and and it's 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 just brilliant to have that network of people that you can phone for advice and have good relationships with that you can you can talk to them and say, hey, listen, I'm I'm facing this problem. Like mm. so often I'll phone Jack and I'll say to him, listen, I'm facing this problem. What do I yeah. do? And he says, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Oh, fuck. No, I haven't tried that. Yeah. Then he says, okay, go try it. Tell me what happens. And I'm like, yeah. well, fuck, it work. Yeah. You know? And yeah. um, and especially with wood as well. It's like, mm. yeah, we work with steel. Mm. Doesn't mean that we have a great knowledge of woods. We might yeah. know what the wood is. Yeah. But it doesn't mean we know the properties of the wood, how hard the wood is, how to work the wood best, how to bring out the the the, the yeah. activity in the bill or the grain or whatever it is. Yeah, it's like if, if you look at like curly maple, I watched a video of, of Stuart doing a handle for a knife out of curly maple yeah. where he dyed it yellow and then he used uh, the soot from a, a, a candle, not from a candle, from a, a oil lamp. Okay. To bring out the curls in the in the bill, contrasting the yellow dye that he used, and he finished it with the uh, I don't know it was linseed oil or Danish oil or something, but yeah. it really brought out the character of the wood. So if you want to see something like really cool, like with sneezewood, Stuart knows how to bring out the character of sneezewood, and it's just simple processes he's learned with using different um, stains mm. to bring out the different grain. So he'll stain it with a dark stain, and he'll hand sand it, and then he'll stain it again, and he'll hand sand it, and then he'll stain it again, and then he switches. He goes up in the grits as he's hand sanding it. Then he switches to a different color. So he'll use a dark, and then he'll use like a red. Yeah. And then, with going to the higher grits, he doesn't take as much of the softer wood off. So the softer wood has the lighter color. Yes. And the dark, the more complex grain has a darker look, and and it's. He brings out the flame and that sneeze would like, it's like watching the thing evolve and like the beauty just slowly, yeah. slowly, slowly, and then it just, wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I think I understand mm. is that within, well, I think it is Blacklist, but yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. Um, with burls, you've got hard hard pieces of wood and then soft pieces of wood within yeah, All mixed in. Yeah. That's why it's semi-important to have the stuff stabilized. Yes. But even if it's stabilized, you can still add color to it yes. or you can still stain it and, and yes. things. But it's knowing what to do with it to yeah. bring out the most out of that wood. Yeah. It's like if you watch Stuart etch Damascus blade mm. and he goes for the Chateauians, that that, yes. that 3D effect of it, yeah. he's just worked out the process to do it. So it's yeah. etch, buff, or, or not buff, etch, rubber steel will etch yeah. just to get the right depth and yes. then... And then when you polish that with a final sandpaper to yes. bring out the, the, the light steel yes, or the nickel steel, yeah. it's just it's a process that you need to learn on how to bring out the beauty. Because, I mean, this Damascus now, I just did a quick edge after I ground it just to see the pattern. Yeah. But now I can already see in this blade if I etch it properly like Stuart does mm. and get a nice deep edge, I'm going to get Chateauians in it. Yeah. And that's just, it makes the knife magic. Yes. It's like, it's putting like black arts, or we call it black magic. It's black magic yeah. of knife making type <laughs> thing. And, and I mean, I mean, with, with the first Amon that I did with Jack, we did the vinegar etch. Now there's yeah. different processes. You can do the mm. flipping coffee etch. You, you can, can do, do the fair chloride. You can do the vinegar etch. You can. You can use. You can use uh, pool acid or muriatic or hydrochloric yeah. acid. Yeah. But each process has got its pro. It's. But if you want to know about etching shit, you speak to Jack because yeah. he, he comes from a jewelry background. So. He knows he's got all. he's got such a good understanding of things. Mm. He's got really such an amazing understanding of things, and he can tell you most of the time. Yeah, he can tell you the whys, and he can tell. And if he doesn't know the whys, yeah, and it's it's something that if you ask him a question, he doesn't necessarily know the answer. Mm. It's going to bother him. He's going to go yeah. look it up, and he's yeah. going to figure it out. And he's yeah. going to say, "Oh yeah, exactly. this is why. Exactly. This is why that happens." Yes, and that's what's great is because he won't just tell you do it or don't do it. He'll tell you why to do it. Mm. It's like it's not should you slam your dick in the slide or, yeah. or can I? It's should I? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And and that's what I appreciate about Jack is mm. is because it's it's all good and well. For example, silly example. It's all good and well knowing that you heat you heat a blade up to mm. a certain temperature and then you quench it in oil. Yeah. And then it's hot. It's hot. Mm. But why? How does it get there? Yeah. You know? Understanding those those mm. things mm. gives you a foundation, a greater understanding to oh. progress to other things and mm. have because without a foundation you don't have a fucking building. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if you're trying to grow your your process, mm. you need to have that That's fine right. understanding yeah. of why things happen the way they do. Yeah. And and the thing is, if you understand that why, then you know how to get the most out of your steel. Exactly. exactly. So, like, when Jack... Jack's told me the story about how he got to making straight razors. He spent two or three years 
researching it and developing it. And he made it. He tried tried get perfecting the grind on 5160 because it's cheap. Mm. It doesn't have the grain refinement yeah. to, to support the edge. Yes. And then he researched the steel. And Jack uses... Basically, most of his razors are the RWL34. That's right, yeah. Because it is the finest grain stainless steel uh, stainless steel you can get. Yeah. And that's the reason okay. he uses it. It's got a very specific heat treatment, he's, but he's matched the steel to the purpose. But he's put the time in to learn what is... He, has, he understands the, the metallurgic properties yes. of what is required from the razor. Yeah. And that's with plate quenching, eh? Mm, black quenching. I when I saw that for the first time, I was blown away. Yeah, didn't didn't know it existed. But the, the thing, like people think you you make it red and you put it in oil. Yeah, it's not necessary. So, like plain carbon steels, your ten ten series steels. Yeah, you need you need a fast quenching oil. Yeah. Okay. If you are a two thousand year old Japanese master smith, you could quench in brine. Yeah. But then only if you know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, yeah. But for mere mortals like 999,000% of us, you quench in fast quenching oil for plain carbon steels. Yeah. When you go to alloys like 5160, you can get away with a medium car because uh, it's a deep hardening steel, you can get away with a medium speed, but fast speed is generally better. But when you get to stainless steels, what people don't realize is it is generally an air hardening steel. Mm. So if you quench stainless steel in a fast oil, you run the risk of cracking it because it's cooling it too quickly. You can use medium uh, medium speed oils because it's better suited to the stainless steel. And plate quenching is actually quite a quick way of removing heat from the blade. Yes, because that acts as a fuck off big heat sink. Yeah. It's a heat sink, and, and if you use aluminium or copper, it, it just sucks the heat right out of it. Yeah. So when you're normalizing your blade, you heat it up to the required temperature for the steel, you take it out, and you do not put it on your fucking anvil. Yeah, yeah. Because that is a heat sink. Yes. So you either hang it or you put it on a fire brick, which is not going to suck the heat out of it. And preferably, if you can, you put it with the spine down because yeah. you want it to cool down slowly because you're normalizing. Yeah. Um, if you want to harden it, then you quench it in oil. Yeah. And if you want to do it in water, you can fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my serious opinion about quenching in water. <laughs> but, 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 but this is, this is the thing. Like, mm. I mean, there's so many materials that Jack's spoken to me about it, and it's like, he's not even pulling amps when he's telling me about it. And he's like a fucking walking encyclopedia. Yeah. If you want to know about something, find Jack. And if he doesn't know, he'll tell you in about an hour. Yeah. yeah. Cause he knows where or, you find or, out. The or he will tell you somebody who does fucking know. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, going back, going back to the kitchen knife with the, the first Hamon, it was such an interesting thing to see, how much activity the vinegar edge brought mm. out in the Hamon. Mm. There were literally four lines mm. that it looked like a four layered Hamon. Yeah. Uh, or like a, a multi, what, what do you call it? Is it, it, there's a, Niels does a process to get a multiple Hamon line of an interrupt quench. 
Okay. So he puts the clay on. Yeah. Then he'll quench it, pull it out, and then quench it again. So you almost get like a multi-layered um, hamon. Yeah. Another uh, guy who does an interrupted quench for multiple hamons is Jay Nielsen. Okay. Judge on Fortune Fire, American okay. master, American bladesmith, mastersmith. He also does an interrupted quench to get a multiple amon. But also, that's just the heat treatment part of it. Yeah. To bring that out, the, like you said, there's different processes. Yeah. Or you can use vinegar. You can use vinegar than coffee. You can do, like you said, you did a, a electro. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So we tried it. I mean, mm. and it worked. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a pro on all of this stuff, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, like if that's if that's an amazing idea, but it mm. seemed to work for the job. Yeah. <clears throat> and, so and, and sometimes in knife baking, you have to do a bit of uh, experimentation. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're not pushing your if you're not pushing your boundaries and pushing your skill level, you're never growing. You're not growing. Yeah. And yeah. If you if you stay in your comfort zone forever, yeah, you're just never going to progress. I mean, this is this is the thing. Like, the, this this was, and I mean, I was speaking to you about it the other day. Mm. <laughs> we speak a lot, actually. We, My wife seems to think I'm having an affair with. <laughs> You speak more to Ted than you speak to me. <laughs> That's a wrap for this episode. Stay tuned for more of Open Half Cost.